Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Austin and Jim. Been watching what's going on in Iran, and there looks like they're going through another cycle of revolts. Jim, what's different about it this time? Well, it's a lot more widespread and it's a lot more persistent. The violence by the IRGC, the uh, private army uh, developed, uh, invented in the 1980s by the religious dictatorship to protect them from things like this, is not having the desired effect this time around. Also, uh, and probably more importantly, uh, a larger variety of people are revolting, including the oil field workers. That has not happened before. People are upset about the uh, basically the economic situation in Iran, which is partially the result of the sanctions. But there's also a there's also been a uh, how should I put it blame placed on the uh, government for uh, mismanaging the the, uh, the economy, which they are guilty of. And uh, the IRGC is not as enthusiastic about, you know, putting this one down because a lot of IRGC members are starving, too. Um, also, the Basich, the uh, militia uh, that the IRGs formed to uh, basically be the street thugs, they're not as thuggish or as abundant as they were in the past. So the, uh, this revolt might succeed. Uh, that's not a sure thing, but it's a lot closer than it has been in any other uh, previous uprising, and there have been a number, number of them, but they've been pretty persistent since uh, 1918, and each one gets more intense, and this is the most intense one yet. So, Austin, I know that we reported that one of the things that started this off was the head covering and the morality pro- police there in Iran. What effect is that having, and that it part of the population is showing a uh, resistance to the religion. Well, look, Dan, that uh, res- objection to the most extreme uh, Iranian Shia <clears throat> uh, head covering, face covering, and like the uh, Islamic extremists that uh, really do dominate the theocratic dictatorship, that, that has deep roots even goes back to Khomeini's own uh, revolution when, after they uh, got rid of the Shah, some of the uh, Shia extremists that were the the core of his supporters immediately demanded a return uh, to the the hijab, not just the scarf covering the hair, but, uh, you know, covering the face. And there was an immense backlash from uh, not just Iranian women, but uh, their husbands, uh, brothers, uh, sons, uh, because uh, they had that was their problems were with the corruption uh, of the Shah. Uh, they actually liked wearing sunglasses and liked uh, you know wearing the clothes that they own uh, chose to wear. What stopped a complete imposition in uh, 79, 80, 81 ultimately was Saddam invading Khuzestan or Rabastan as the uh, uh, Iraq, Iraqis call it the oil province that's right along the other other side of the uh, 
uh, Tigris River uh, in uh, uh, western Iran. And uh, suddenly you had <coughs> a uh, war for national existence uh, that the Khomeini regime had to uh, resist the Iraqis in order, in order to survive. So the extreme restrictions on women <coughs> were, were dropped or put set aside. Now, it still comes back. Uh, I know in a recent strategy page report, it said that, that there really wasn't uh, open resistance that suggested this in the early part, the uh, first eight or nine years of, of the 1990 decade. Actually, there was a lot of objection by women about uh, <coughs> lifestyle restrictions and restrictions on what they could do. They, uh, like, like Turkey, Iran, under the Shah, like uh, like uh, you know, like Turkey after uh, Kemal Ataturk uh, uh, came, became president, uh, the, the Iranian women had had a, a great deal of freedom in comparison to other predominantly uh, Muslim nations, and they didn't want to give it up. It's not that they weren't uh, sincere Muslims; they just didn't want to live with some of the uh, the, the dressing restrictions and and uh, work restrictions. So those, in fact, as they were expressed in a couple of elections where the uh, moderate who wasn't supposed to win won, and uh, that uh, upset the uh, uh, religious extremists that actually controlled uh, uh, controlled power and were in charge of the IRGC and the Basij, who were the elements of oppression, and they still are in the Khomeini's regime. But 2009, one of the things that really kicked off the green movement was already going on was the murder of a, and I covered this in, in a recent uh, column I wrote, I want to say about three weeks ago, uh, was a, a woman who got out of a cab and was near uh, a, a demonstration and uh, a government sniper killed her. So I'm just, uh, she was you know, wearing what I'll call normal everyday Western type uh, type clothes. Not that that was what made her the target. That may have been the target. She was just about to uh, join the protest or whatever. Uh, I'm pointing that out because the uh, what happened to Ms. Amini, the uh, uh, Iranian Kurdish lady who was uh, arrested <coughs> because her hair was showing, <laughs> she wasn't wearing appropriate clothing, and then beaten to death by the uh, moral morality police. It's uh, another example of a, of a violent crime against a woman in Iran that has just uh, accelerated uh, the, uh, the protest. It, 2009, in my opinion, and I had that in that column, was really the time to push the, re uh, the uh, Khomeinius regime, and it didn't happen. The Obama administration really laid back six to eight weeks before it it, it, it condemned what the Iranian government was doing. We can speculate as to why, but take a look. I think the uh, Obama administration already had dreams of some <coughs> nuclear agreement with the Khomeiniist regime that would reshape uh, uh, the Middle East. But uh, 2009 got crushed. And then in that recent report that we had up on strategy page, we moved to 2017 and there are a number of things going on, including uh, lack of water in about, I think it was five major cities that had had had, had uh, water issues, also a deteriorating economy, and also uh, uh, Iranian people up, up, upset with the way they're being mistreated by the uh, 
government uh, secret police. Uh, Jim said, you know, that, and you asked Jim in, in the lead question today, you know, what, what's going on? Why is this different? There are some things about the intensity of it and the demands that sound like something. It sounds different. It sounds like the Iranian people are now willing to grapple with the government to the point of being killed. And what I'm doing here, uh, when Jim and I were working on the third edition of A Quick and Dirty Guide to War, 1995, we were talking about the Iran chapter and how we were gonna, what we were going to change, update it, and the like. And Jim says to me, Austin, what's, uh, what the real key is here is when the Iranian people decide if they're willing to die, to knock down the regime for their, uh, and die for their freedom. And that's still the question in being. It certainly looks like now that numerous sectors of the of Iran, numerous groups, including oil workers now, have, jo have joined these protests. Uh, not sure where the police are, but uh, and wh which police, municipal police, and the like. But that's a that's a, an intelligence indicator to look for if some of the security forces start supporting the protesters. So, Jim. Is one of the things that's allowing this to happen? <coughs> well, this 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 one is different because uh, in nineteen in twenty twenty, a uh, bunch of uh, Iranian exiles did a uh, a stealthy, as it were, um, survey of the religious beliefs of the Iranian people, and they were rather shocked. Only thirty two percent considered themselves Muslim Shia, Muslim at all. The rest either had no longer believed in any religion, and a number of them, you know, uh, wanted to go back to the uh, old, you know, pre-Islamic religion, Zoroastrianism. Uh, and many of the practices of Zoroastrianism are still practiced, as it were, uh, much to the dismay of the, uh, you know, the Islamic government. But the, uh, the problem is that the, uh, the, the Bizarri, the merchant class, are also rising up in this case. So the, uh, the government has far more resistance from far more Iranians than they ever had before. And it's, it's, uh, it's difficult to see just how much the, the IRGC, their, you know, their secret police, as it were, to police everybody else, is going to succeed. Because so far, uh, as Austin pointed out, you know, people are willing to get killed to be free of this, you know, this, this, this anti-Iranian, uh, you know, government. And uh, so far, it, it keeps going on and on and on. Uh, and uh, if the uh, if the Islamic dictatorship, uh, the Ayatollahs, uh, do not put it down, they're finished. So for them, it's a fight to the death. And for so many Iranians, it's a fight, you know, for Iran. Uh, and again, it's a question of who's going to prevail. This time, as Austin points out, it may well be the Iranian people. They're willing to pay the price. Uh, the bullahs no longer have, uh, you know, the uh, support of the people. They no longer have support of a lot of their own, you know, religious followers, uh, you know, who are basically, you know, hungry like everybody else. Um, so, you know, as long as it continues, uh, even if they, they manage to put it down, there'll be another one because, you know, the Iranian people are basically fed up. Uh, the uh, the religious the Ayatollahs were not uh, will not reform themselves. Uh, there have been many embarrassing incidents where 
pictures were taken of uh, children of the the uh, the Ayatollahs, you know, partying in a very un-Islamic way in Europe, and these were spread, you know, throughout uh, Iran, which further, you know, antagonized the Iranian people, uh, believing that their religious leaders were, you know, hypocrites, you know, as well as oppressors, and that's a dangerous combination. Well, Dan, notice though the the the, the observation Jim made. <laughs> about the Iranian people being, demonstrating that they're willing to die was made, what, 27 years ago? So you've had a generation and a half uh, living under uh, the Khomeiniists, and that's the way I prefer to describe the regime, because it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not a, it's, it's a religious, it wears religious garb, that's what I say. It's a totalitarian uh, ideology. Uh, that, uh, a generation and a half that's lived under their dictatorship. I want to make a comment about that uh, survey of uh, uh, belief uh, that Jim is referring to that was done a, a couple of years ago. I'm going to, it's two anecdotes. Admittedly, they're anecdotal, but they reinforce the, the point about the strength of Zoroastrianism, which, uh, you know, Medeanism, Zarathustra, and it, that, that uh, because I'm looking at, at some of the poll results right now, and it said about 88% of the country consider themselves to be uh, Zoroastrians. It's probably three times that many, uh, 25%. That just didn't, don't come out and say it. And the number of what I'll call mixed Zoroastrian and, and Shia uh, faith, faithful <laughs> may make the number e even higher. Twice I have, and here's here are the two anecdotes. Both, both are extremely similar. Um, uh, American man marries an Iranian woman who's going to school here in the United States, or in one case, uh, I believe they actually met in Europe. Uh, they get married in the U.S., but they also went back to Iran. And in the case of one fellow who I was in the uh, army with. They went out to her uh, family's village, which was uh, out in the Zagros Mountains, and there was a, a, a Shia cleric who who married them. But then he also went through uh, a Zoroastrian ritual, and the, the family joked about it, basically in, in, in idiomatic uh, Farsi. Uh, well, we cover all the bases up here. Is is what they <laughs> is what he said. And they all laughed about it. And he got into a conversation with several of his uh, new in-laws, as well as the uh, locals, you know. And it was, this was a Zoroastrian area in the uh, Zagros Mountains. And this is under the, let's see, this occurred in, let's see, I'm going to say they got married in 89 or 90. So uh, old religions die slowly if they die at all. And these are not people who are loyal to the Khomeinius dictatorship, not at all. And the Iranian the, 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 the dictatorship knows it. Uh, it's a veneer, this uh, claim that 99% of Iranians are Muslim and by the dictatorship, and they're meaning Shia Muslim, loyal to the uh, vision of a global Islamic revolution read, led by uh, Iran's robe dictators. Uh, it's it's an example of really how divided the Iranian uh, body politic is, uh, uh, even underneath the veneer of this dictatorship. 
Jim, is there any Israeli connection with this revolution? Well, yes, yes. there is. Uh, you know, it's Israel before the revolution was an ally of Iran. Uh, and indeed, when the uh, when they had the water shortages uh, that uh, Austin mentioned, Israel, you know, openly offered, well, we have technology. We live in an area where there's much, even less water, but we have ways to get the water. And this was very popular in Iran. And this surprised the Ayatollahs because, you know, for ever since 1979, they've been uh, calling out the people to uh, rally and say death to Israel. Well, now it's reversed. It's death to the Ayatollahs and, you know, let's get back together with Israel. Uh, you know, most Iranians see that as a natural state of things. Now, another thing to keep in mind, the nuclear weapons. Iranians, whether they oppose the government or not, still support the idea of having nuclear weapons because for thousands of years, Iran was the superpower in the region. Uh, the only ones that could basically hold them was the Turks. And, and the Turks were not were rather uh, crafty uh, Muslims who were not as Muslim as they appeared to be, which is why, the, as Austin pointed out, the Kamalist revolution succeeded so quickly in, uh, in uh, turning uh, Turkey into a, um, a uh, secular state. Now, there are still Muslims out there, and they're causing trouble in Turkey again, but they're really fading in, um, in Iran. And this is something I think a lot of the Ayatollahs are acutely aware of. And they really have no answer for it. Uh, most of the, uh, the Iranians who are uh, out there, well, the majority of Iranians, period, did not grow up. Well, they grew up after the revolution. They, and, they, and their parents or grandparents can tell them that during the days of the Shah, they were much better off, you know, politically and economically. And for whatever the Shah's, you know, shortcomings were, and there were many, he had a secret police. Uh, they were certainly preferable to the uh, gang that was now in charge. So this is all working against them, and ultimately it's going to prevail. I mean, as Austin points out, the Iranian people, if they want it badly enough, they'll get it. Austin, you got any closing comments for us? No, I, uh, I, I think what uh, Jim uh, just said is, is, is the appropriate conclusion uh, to, to this. I know it's... It's not concluded over in Iran. Unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of bloodshed. I'm afraid. I'm afraid there will be a lot of bloodshed because the the IRGC and the Basij that uh, that are the you know core enforcers for the regime. There's going to be a lot of demand by the people for uh, not just jailing them but uh, executions, and uh, that's uh, that's what those guys will fight fight to the end. Who, who would take them, Dan, uh, as exiles? The, the Shah's people could go to a variety of places in the West. Uh, would Russia take them? Maybe. I don't think China would. They might talk about it, but uh, uh, Pakistan wouldn't want to have anything to do with them. And if they flee to Afghanistan, uh, you know, Afghanistan's in turmoil. The Azeris don't want them, nor do the Turks, and heaven forbid going into Armenia. <laughs> the Iraqis don't want them. You, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> You've got a hardcore in there that's, that's going to fight to the death, and that's uh, hardcore bad guys. All right. We'll wrap it up there, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Take care. Take care.